passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. It is John Pollock here in our Montreal, Quebec hotel room. And coming up on Saturday night is the Elimination Chamber show. And earlier this week, myself and Wei Ting had a chance to go chat with several of the WWE performers that are going to be participating on Saturday's show from the Bell Center. In this collage of interviews, we are going to be hearing from Nikki Cross, Raquel Rodriguez, as well as Bronson Reed and Sami Zayn, the man that will be headlining the show on Saturday night. So we hope you enjoy these interviews. Interviews. Don't forget to tune in to our Elimination Chamber post show on Saturday night as Way and I will be going through all of the matches and news coming out of the press conference after the show in Montreal, Quebec. Please be joined here at Post Wrestling with Raquel Rodriguez going into the Elimination Chamber event on Saturday night in Montreal, Quebec. And Raquel, first of all, being in a, in a match like the Elimination Chamber for the first time, tell me a bit about sort of the, the unknowns of going into a match like this and sort of what you can prepare for and what you just have to feel out there going for the your first experience in this type of match. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's definitely a lot of unknowns. You never know what's going to happen in a cage. You never know what's going to happen in chambers. That's one thing that I haven't been in is a chamber and having that in each corner is going to be something that's a little bit different to me and to what I know to be my wrestling and ring knowledge and ring awareness. And I think also, too, facing women that I've never really had an opportunity to face before, like Carmella. I've yet to step in the ring with her. We had a little tidbit last Monday on Raw together, but honestly, that is the extent of the amount we've touched. Asuka and I as well. We've had a few little things here and there, Money in the Bank, Rumble, but nothing bigger than that. Not a singles match ever in our career. And so that's something I'm looking forward to is actually getting a moment with Asuka, getting a moment with Carmella, getting a moment with all of the ladies, and also waking up the WWE Universe to who I am. I feel like a cage match for me, is something that I excel in. I've been in two War Games matches, which is a bigger cage, two rings, more women. So I think I do have a little bit of an advantage on my side when it comes to being in this elimination chamber. I feel like I'm going in with full confidence, and, and I'm really excited for what it's going to bring tomorrow. Now that you've had you know a, a lot of time on the SmackDown roster, how would you assess that, that transition? It's different for all performers going from NXT to SmackDown. How, how would you assess that, that move? Honestly, I feel like it's been such an easy transition for me. I feel like I've just kind of made space for myself immediately and immediately presented my presence when it's come to being in the women's locker room and let them know who, who I am. I think all of the women on SmackDown now have an eye out for me. They don't look at me anymore as the new girl. They don't look at me as someone who probably doesn't know her way around. I think I'm a potential threat and I think a lot of them know that. We've seen a lot of, especially since last summer, a lot of women coming in, both on Raw and SmackDown. When you see kind of what is laid out for you and utilizing your television time to the most of your ability, what's sort of your mindset going in there where it's a two-hour show on, like, Raw and there's only so much time to go around? Yeah, I mean, the mindset is always to go out there and... Put a smile on someone's face. Make an impact for whatever amount of time that you have. Make your presence known for even if it's for five seconds, ten seconds, a minute. Make your presence known and make it unforgettable. And I think that's what's most important for a lot of people who are going out there thinking that time is an issue. It's not really time. It's mostly about what you're going to give in that time. 
Had there been any people you have leaned on for advice behind the scenes that have been helpful on this transition on the main roster? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've looked to Rhea Ripley a lot because we are close friends, frenemies, whatever you want to call us. But she has had her experience on the main roster for a little bit longer than I have. So I do go to her for a lot of advice, especially when it comes to these bigger events like Elimination Chamber. And I know she's going to be here this weekend as well, facing Beth Phoenix. Um, I've also had the opportunity of talking with Beth as well. And she's someone that I've looked up to my entire career since I was a little girl because she is one of the stronger women. She's always been presented as a stronger, bigger woman. And that's something that I really looked up to as an idol, someone struggle, who struggled with the way they looked and always being different. I finally learned to hone into my size and use it to my advantage and be very proud of it because it's something that I bring that's different to the table. And I've also actually looked to Natalia a lot as well. And, you know, she's been, you know, she's one of the longest women on the roster, but she has the most knowledge and experience. And not only that, she's so amazing to share it all with us because she's so willing to share it with us. She's so willing to give us her experiences, to give us her knowledge, to give us her advice. And I take every single word for what it is. And I love that she is willing to just pass that down to everyone else and share that with us. And even getting the opportunity to share the ring with her is always such an amazing experience because she's just amazing. I love her. <laughs> are you someone that ever goes back and watches earlier work from, from yourself? Do you Are you comfortable watching yourself? Tell us just a bit about that process yeah. to see the progression. Yeah, I definitely am. I, I definitely am watching a little bit of my younger self because it helps me realize a lot of mistakes I might have made then and a lot of ways that I can correct it now if I'm still making those mistakes. It kind of makes me think, oh, I still do that. That's not good, you know? And so, like, it's, it's little things that you can pick up every now and then, even if it's the slightest bit of changes. But it also helps me remember what I used to bring to the table and what was effective. And maybe I've forgotten it along the way because other things have kind of come into my arsenal. So it's, it's nice to go back and pull that out of your back pocket and be like, oh, they haven't seen this. I bet they haven't seen this, but I just rewatched it and now I'm going to use it. <laughs> so you, got, you got several tricks in the chamber for, exactly, for, for everybody. Exactly, Pardon yeah. the pun. Uh, last thing we'll, we'll touch upon, you know, a standout moment for you was working with Ronda Rousey. I would imagine that is something you would like to revisit. And what, what did you take from that? Because that seemed to be a real breakout moment for you having the match with her. Yeah, yeah. I think what I took from that was that uh, I took a lot of confidence from that. I realized, you know, I, I may be the new girl. I may have less experience than a lot of people, but I know I can do this. And, and being able to step into the ring with Ronda Rousey, the baddest woman on the planet, and give her one of her best matches of her career, not only having one of my best matches of my career, not only having people who have been my idols and who are my bosses and who I look up to say my name and come and shake my hand and congratulate me on such an amazing match and opportunity, it really just boosted my confidence that much more. And so I feel like I'm going into Elimination Chamber with the most amount of confidence I've ever had in the past year of being up on SmackDown, and so I'm so excited. All right, we are here with Bronson Reed going into Elimination Chamber on Saturday night. Uh, Bronson, it has been kind of a whirlwind for you over the, this past year, returning to WWE. Now that you have sort of got your feet under you here on this re return, tell us a bit about the return to the company and how you have felt about the process so far coming back. Yeah, you know, uh, it was always something that I wanted to do. I always wanted to return to WWE. Uh, and as soon as it became a possibility, I was like, okay, this is something that I need to do. Because it was unfinished business, you know, I didn't get to be on Raw or SmackDown or do these premium live events. And already in my short time, I've only been on Raw television for a month and a half now. I'm in a chamber match. So I think it's going well and I'm excited for the match tomorrow. When you were initially making that contact to come back to the company, were you expecting that it would be that way, not getting back until January? There was a couple months there where I'm sure you were itching to get back. Yeah, 100%. I'm someone that I've always been on the road. I've always been wrestling, like, whether it was with WWE, NXT. Before that, I was obviously on the indies for a long time, then Japan. 
Uh, so, like, having those couple of months off is, is really weird for me. <laughs> like, it, it was nice. I got to, you know, let the body rest, stay at home for a little while. But it was strange to, to not be on the road. So I was itching to come back. And as soon as I could, like, I was happy to. When you look at the talent that has left, has come back, I would say you were right at the top of the list of made the most impact while you were out there. Having an experience like the G1, what did that do for your progression, working with, with the talent that, that you did throughout that summer? Yeah, I always tell people, if anything, it just gave me more confidence. You know, that's... Uh 18 shows in in four weeks like it's a lot of wrestling and a lot of those matches are big time singles matches with people that you've never worked with before um so if anything they gave me more confidence to come back here with wwe with a bit of a chip on my shoulder that like i'm one of the best pro wrestlers out there so like throw me into the mix straight away and i'll make it work so I i was very grateful for my run there as well it was not just the performances in the ring, but hearing you on commentary as well. Like there is, there is something you got to like check a box off yeah, of, and yeah. I think it's just you know having that experience as well with you. Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoy doing that as well, and you never know what avenues you'll take in, in, in this career. So I always like to try as much as I can with professional wrestling. I think I've done every match there possibly is. Chamber is one that I haven't, so I get to tick that off the bucket list. But yeah, commentary was something different as well for me. So whenever I can expand what I do, I try to. We'll get back to the chamber in just a second, but I am curious, as you are going through a tournament like G1, how much are you aware of the direction that you are going throughout this? Is this? Do you know what the big picture plan is, that it's culminating with this big match with Okada, or are you sort of just going like day by day and figuring out how the, the points are all going to work? Yeah, it's, it's pretty much day by day. Like uh, Japan's a bit of its own world uh, in the way that they operate and they do things, and I think uh, it's very much, it's not like, you know, WWE and some of these places, they have a, they have like a set idea for six months in, in time. Whereas uh, in Japan, I think they very much go off what you do in the ring. You know, they're waiting to see what I could do, how I'm presented to the crowd, how they feel about me and stuff like that. And then it sort of moves from there. So, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't 100% sure about the Okada match, but then when it happened, I was, I was very happy. And I've had two, the two matches with him now were one apiece. Hopefully there'll be a rubber match somewhere down the road. I said hopefully maybe under the WWE banner. Well, the, the, always, always the possibility. When you went into the last match with Okada in October, did you know that this was going to be your, your return? Where, where were you at in terms of the talks at that point? Yeah, I, I had spoken with uh, Triple H himself at that point, and I was sort of 50-50 on what was about to happen. Um, I also spoke to New Japan management, and uh, I sort of made my choice, yeah, right before that match. So it, uh, you'll see in that match that there is a bit of a almost, I mean, not that we anything is planned or anything, but Okada sh- shake my hand after the match, and I think it was sort of a, you know, his leaving for now. So, uh, yeah, I, it, it was something that I had in, in my mind, and by that time I was ready to come back to WWE. Was it a tough decision for you, or was this something that I have unfinished business here and the circumstances being what they are, like this is a very different company than the one I left? Yeah, I mean, I love Japan and I love the culture. I love the people, the wrestling fans there. It's something that I think I could see myself doing again in the future, or I could, yeah, do it right now. And I sort of knew the path that I was going to have there, whereas with WWE, there is that unfinished business and there is always the what if, and it's almost... It's, it's, it's something that like you really need to test yourself with. I think it's more uncertain whether you're going to progress and be like a main event guy or whether you end up staying in the mid-card. Like, so I wanted to test myself. Like, I'm, I've been in this business now for 15, almost 16 years, so I, I'm always going to push myself for what I can do. 
do you still maintain a bit of that chip on your shoulder that gives you sort of that extra edge this time around? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I definitely, you know, I want to make sure that I'm presented a little bit differently as a guy that you have to take serious. And within these two months, I'm in the chamber match. So I think that's happening. And uh, I want to be a superstar, a WWE superstar. And I think uh, people are going to cotton on to that. What have you, you know, it's only been a handful of television matches, but it has been very evident just in Brooklyn last week, you're climbing to the top, that whole crowd, they're ooing and aahing as you're going up there. Like it is, like you have established that that move as a very dangerous finisher and the audience has really clicked to that. Yeah, I, I, I want people to realize that the tsunami is something special, especially in modern day pro wrestling. So since I started calling it the tsunami uh, in NXT, no one has kicked out of it in five years, and that includes my time away from WWE. That includes Impact, New Japan, everywhere I've been. So I want to make sure people know if I'm going to that top rope, that's it. That's, that's the finish. So I'm hoping that people get behind it even more and realize that it is something special. Is that tough in this day and age to, to protect a finisher to, to that extent? I think so. I, th- I can't think of anyone else that has anything similar. So I know for the longest time, The Undertaker... As someone that I got to spend some time with at the Performance Center, he was very protective of the tombstone and became something very special to the degree when someone like Shawn Michaels kicks out of it, it means so much more. So that's what I want to hopefully happen with the tsunami, that it becomes something special that hopefully, if anyone does kick out of it, it is something very special. Uh, last thing on, on the chamber match, you've got five other bodies. It's your first chamber match. It's obviously, it's, it's, it's a very complicated match as well, but you're looking at probably 25 to 30 minutes in there so tell us a bit about just sort of the mindset of going into this and knowing you're going to have an extended platform on Saturday. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something, you know, it's a little bit of uh, something I haven't done before. I've, I've been in the deep end of matches, obviously normal singles matches where they go 25 minutes, 30 minutes. I'm a big guy. I'm over 300 pounds. I always have to make sure I'm ready for those moments. So I've been hitting the cardio a little bit more. But then you also have all the elements of the chamber. You have the, the steel, you have the pods. So I'm excited to see what happens. And obviously... I don't know when I'm going to be able to enter, whether I'll be one of the first two or whether I'll be in one of the pods. So all those elements change how you look at the match. So we'll have to wait and see, basically. I think it's going to be one of those days where I get in there and then that's how it goes. Last thing for me, uh, Israel Adesanya will be challenging (laughs) Alex Pereira in a couple of weeks in the rematch. Do you you have a pick for that fight? How do you think that the rematch goes? Uh, Izzy all day. You know, I'm a big fan of, like, obviously he's training New Zealand, but I just watched the Volkanovski fight. Like, I'm a big fan of all the guys from Australia and New Zealand that are fighting. Do you think Volk won? Uh, I don't think he won, but I don't definitely don't think he should have had that 49-46. No. Uh, I had 48-47 as well. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. I thought you could do unanimous like that. I thought he put on a better fight than what anyone expected him, especially moving up that weight. So I'd like to see it again. If They're any- still ranking him the top pound-for-pound fighter, even with the loss, and I think he upped his stock in the fight. Yeah, yeah, I think so as well. So I'm excited to see what he does in the future, and yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Izzy all day for the other fight. We are here with Nikki Cross going into Elimination Chamber on Saturday night as you will be joined by five other women in the chamber. Tell us a bit about just the, the, the planning stages of a chamber match. It's a lot more complicated when you have these many bodies involved with the pods, with times. Is this one of the more challenging matches when it comes to structuring? It's fun and it's exciting because you have six women in there. You know, I always say I'm like five women are locked in there with Nikki Cross. So for me, it's a chance to be innovative, to do things that you might not normally do on a Monday Night Raw or a, or a Friday Night Smackdown. It's a chance to be creative in the cage, the the chamber. Excuse me, the chamber can either either be your best friend or your worst enemy. So I think it's really fun as a performer, as a character, to play with that. And as an athlete, it's challenging. 
you know, you said it, you said the word already, as an athlete, you're asking a lot of your body, and it's, it's exciting, we're on the road to WrestleMania, and it's, I can't wait. Well, some would say current Nikki Cross would be your worst enemy. Nikki Ash would be someone's best friend. So I want to go back to Nikki Ash and sort of how that evolved for you and, and as well transitioning back now, what, what that process has been like for you. For me, it was very organic. It was very natural because I think you had Nikki Cross in NXT. She was with her, you know, her dysfunctional, crazy family sanity. Then you had her, you know, just play these games with people, you know. She just had fun. Nikki Cross was this little bundle, little bundle of chaos that just played mind games with people and then coming up to Raw and Smackdown you know there was a little transition because she didn't have any friends you know she didn't know anyone she came under the wing of Alexa Bliss and she was the best friend you know that hyperactive excited best friend excited to live her dream alongside her best friend and then you had another transition to a girl who was kind of just looking for looking for the right way forward and that transitioned into the superhero you know a character who just wanted to do her best and really fight for little girls everywhere and be that inspiration for little girls and won the Raw Women's Championship, won the Money in the Bank, won the Tag Team Championship with Rhea Ripley for a record-breaking time. So for me, and then that that was gone, you know, so for me there's nothing better as a performer to think now, how does this character react to that, you know and she was kind of left with no way no way out of the you know, she was left with um, what does she do now as that superhero and then transitioning back to this crazy girl that she went back and embraced her roots so for me, everything was organic, and I'm a big character person, character development, so I know these characters better than anyone else, anyone else on this planet. So for me, everything made sense in my head and the justifications and the motivations for these two characters and now the merging and embracing those roots and seeing those hints of sanity, Nikki again, seeing the, those, the, this impulsive, unpredictable wild card. And it's just been, a, it's been an amazing journey. It seems that, you know, as you are sort of exploring the layers of this character, how comfortable are you when it comes to pitching ideas and when you, when stuff comes up, um, having that, that presence that, you know, there are some that, like, they'll wait for stuff to be handed to them and you seem to be somebody that you're very proactive in putting those ideas out there and, and turning them into reality. I'm very comfortable. You know, I think we, I think at WWE, we want, we want to create the best product on television. We want to create the best stories. And I think the a way to do that is collaboration and working with each other and listening to ideas. And if I have an idea, I'll pitch it. And if someone comes to me with an idea, I'll hear them out, you know? And I think that's the great thing. It's all about communication. It's all about working together. And it's almost like making like a nice chili or a nice hot pot. We have all these ingredients and you're putting them in. But I'm, I've always been very comfortable using my voice and very comfortable speaking up and having ideas because I'm a creative person. So I'm always like, yeah, you, let's do this, you know, and I love working with other people and creating the best Nicky Cross we can. Any influences you draw from, whether they be outside of wrestling or even within for the, the Nikki Cross characters, anything you find yourself drawing from, either purposely or even subconsciously, that you realize, ah, there's some of that in, in this whole recipe? I was always very drawn to the bad girl, uh, Faith, who was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know, she was a little... she was damaged and she was vulnerable and she lashed out because she didn't know how to deal with her own feelings so to me like Nikki Cross she lashes out a lot and everything Nikki Cross does is impulse she is very impulse driven so for me any any character that's like that 
I'm drawn to, you know, for that for that reason. Or even like the Wicked Witch and Wizard of Oz. She was very misunderstood, okay? Like very misunderstood. She took Dorothy took her sister's shoes. You know, a thief. Yeah, she's a thief, you know. Um, and even Jack Nicholson and The Shining, you know, this very unhinged performance when he's like, here's Johnny, and it's almost like, here's Nicky. You know, there's there's something a little playful about Nicky. Um, almost like Gollum from Lord of the Rings as well. You know, I think there's so many layers that I've, I can't wait to explore further with Nicky Cross. We are here with Sammy Zayn going into Elimination Chamber. Sammy, you have been all over the city this week. I mean, just having this level of media obligations and feeling as the guy going into this show, what has this week been like? I imagine it's never been as much in demand for your, yourself as this one. Yeah, and I've tried to keep it kind of, uh, just tried to kind of keep it grounded. But as we get closer and closer, it's starting to hit me the reality of how big this actually is. I think I've kind of purposely tried to keep it downplay it almost because I don't want to bank on that and just like what if it's not there you know what I mean you always have that little bit of self-doubt what if it's not as big as I think it is or what if it's not maybe I'm in my own head and it's just my ego thinking like oh you're the guy at this time or whatever so I kind of I try to consciously be very mindful of that and almost downplay or suppress the uh, momentum or the excitement but at this point I'd say it's pretty undeniable I think a lot of people knew when this show was announced for Montreal and where the Bloodline story was trending, this was going to be a big show. Um, you know, yeah. ca- Canadian television numbers are doing very well right now. Oh, really? And do you sense that those around you and in the company knew this was going to be as big a deal a- as it now feels? Like, this is not just some transitional pay-per-view. Uh, okay, so a lot, a lot of ways to answer that question. But for sure, um, the interesting thing is that by every metric we have at our disposal so fans reactions social media engagements our merchandise numbers television ratings by by every imaginable metric all signs have pointed to this being a smashing success yeah. so that's the kind of stuff i couldn't have let's say anticipated i didn't know that it would get so hot that like numbers numbers are moving the needle is moving to use a, a roman expression you know um that's something I didn't really anticipate. From a storytelling perspective, I knew it would be magical. If all the variables lined up just right, I knew this could be something very special. But as far as the impact it's had or the amount of people coming up to me and telling me, uh, you know, look, I used to love wrestling and it's been a minute since I watched, but this story's got me back. I'm hooked. I feel like a kid again hearing all this. And like not just one or two. I'm hearing that a lot. So that's the kind of thing that I couldn't uh, have predicted, but I, I'm immensely proud of. I'm really curious how the whole structure of the ending of the Royal Rumble came together because it's not often that you're doing a, a, a story like this in front of a stadium. And it's, I would be curious how you viewed it watching it back where you get the dialogue. It's like you had to project to 50,000 people, but also the television viewing yeah. audience as well. It was almost like two different audiences that yeah. there's some that don't have that dialogue. Well, that's the art, isn't it? That's the art. The art is... Um the art is checking all the boxes. That's something I take a lot of pride in. You know, and even that's, I think, what's... Hearing even what you just said earlier about The Undertaker, which is huge, The Undertaker uh, complimenting me, or hearing all these legends complimenting my work in the last six months or so, I think the big key is that they've seen the versatility. I think a lot of people could recognize a year or two, five years ago, whatever, that I'm pretty good in the ring. But when you start to see, oh, this guy can act, and oh, there's... He can tell a story and he can you know, do all these things. That's when it kind of starts to come together. So for me, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? The ability to check all the, the versatility. 
be able to check all those boxes. That's an that's an that's an that's a recurring theme in my career, where it's not just about one thing; it's about everything. You know, so it's one thing to be able to do house shows, but then on TV you can't do TV, or you're not good in tight. You're or you're good in tight, but you're not. You don't translate. You know, I want to be able to do it all, and that's the remarkable thing about this story is that I think it's kind of checked so many boxes, and that's why it's it's just been so successful. My last question: In your wildest dreams, did you ever think that Big Larry would sell out the Bell Center? Challenging for the WWE Championship. Well, Big Larry didn't do it. <laughs> the guy that played Big Larry for a few seconds did. Um, yeah, that's that's surreal. That's surreal. That's really. The, I think that's what's starting to hit me is as I've been back in the city this week is feeling the level of excitement in the city really. And I, I try to say this with humility here, but it really reminds me of the vibe the week before Brett and Sean, and I remember the excitement in the city, and I remember the excitement at school, and I remember just the buzz of like, oh my God, this match is huge. And this match is coming to Montreal. It is huge. It's huge on its own. Yes. It's been nine or 10 months building. So it would have been huge on its own, but this match is coming to Montreal. And feeling the vibe of the city, this big championship fight vibe in the city is remarkable. And then to realize I'm at the center of it, it, that's that's the part that's starting to like connect now, is when I feel the vibe in the city, and it feels so much like the vibe I felt as a kid going into Brett and Sean in 1997. It is all coming up Saturday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time with the Elimination Chamber airing on Peacock and the WWE Network.